this could be really boring. So let's. Um, I do think we can rip into it and t- take the piss out of it a lot. As long this twice, twice. It is disingenuous. The situation now is even worse. Flood is not about the poverty line. We start by introducing ourselves often. Often. Not always. <laughs> Not always. And I think that's something that uh, you can tell every time. Like, like I wouldn't always tell when I'm editing back, like how like self-impressed we all sound when we're like, ha, guess who remembered that we start the show by <laughs> saying, I'm Declan and I introduced myself at the start of the podcast. Very professional. Well, that's you introduced. Yeah. Who else is in the room? Uh, I'm Matt. I'm a podcast host and I feel pretty good about it. Damn, that's <laughs> a powerful introduction. I'm Liam and I am here. Uh, I'm Maddie. I'm not an economist. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> well, but you are our resident treasury mm. expert, so we're, we're mm. going to be we're going to be relying mm. on you a fair bit today, Maddie. Today we have the joy of um, digging into um, my favorite conspiracy theory. No, wait, um, <laughs> favorite economic theory, MMT, modern monetary theory. Um, More money time. Yeah. When I pitched this idea to various people, um, I most people in our milieu laughed and said that will be a very boring podcast. But I promise you, dear listener, that it will be fun. <laughs> we will mm. make MMT fun again. <laughs> um, and this is all how we're going to hashtag learn MMT. So, do we want to just give a bit of a brief rundown on what we think it is? Or, you I mean, know? I think we should talk about why it's important first. Because, yeah. like... It's 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 really really rare that you see. I think like the the term was coined in like two thousand and eight, which mm. is like notable in and of itself. But that was the peak of a GFC, mm. and that's when it's coined. But yeah, like it's so rare that you see something coined and then like a decade later be a really central, really like like mm. widespread term. It's just like it's increasingly it's increasingly kind of like the base kind of level of how people think about the economy, and like it's- particularly on the left with this like you know, you can just spend whatever the fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's right. Like, we saw that in UK Labor's recent... Um, uh, they they <laughs> they voted against or they opposed the Tories' attempt to raise the... Well, successful attempt to raise the corporate tax rate in the UK. Um, the UK Labor um, opposed it. And a lot of the... I don't think necessarily the headline actual comms coming from the UK Labor Party was like necessarily saying MMT but a lot of the argumentation around it Mm. was like well yeah of course you wouldn't do that because that's you know why would we need to and taxing is bad raising Uh, taxes is austerity was the line they used yeah and we'll definitely come back to that because that's probably the that was probably the thing that triggered me enough to like let's do a podcast about this because the idea that um, taxing big corporations and billionaires is somehow um, neoliberal is an incredible like um, non sequitur of logic that is so virtuosic that it deserves, um, you know, praise and and ruthless critique. But I think you're right. Um, well, and Declan. I think there was also that whole mint the coin period in the US, mm. um, the trillion dollar platinum coin that was going to allow whatever. Well, the- and I think yeah. part of this is that like. Like, there has been a genuine defeat of, like, a political defeat of austerity politics yes. mm. um, within, within yep. like, advanced Western countries. Definitely. And, and, and MMT is kind of coming to the fore as a way of, yeah. like, I would, like, I would hasten, like, to say my conclusion right at the start. It's coming to the fore as a way of, like, continuing the kind of economic and social, not the economic, the social order. Yeah. Without 
without going into the class antagonism that will come from the defeat of austerity politics. Yeah, I think that's really that's that's a good way of situating it, right? Like we've we've we're seeing the decline of um of a of a particular era of neoliberal politics and a particular way of thinking about uh, the economy that was advantageous to you know the ruling class in the West and um, in the breakdown of that at the same time as we haven't seen we've well actually you know it's funny isn't it because it's also happening at the same time there's a contestation between a kind of like insurgent socialism that happened around um, Corbyn and Sanders and so on and MMT is the other like rationale or like other attempt to hegemonize Mm. the space that's being left by the discrediting of austerity politics but i do think the amount of quantitative easing that happened um both in the gfc and now in the covid crisis has lent a lot of you know potential credibility to mmt like you can see why people are looking at that and going well yeah this is a solution is unlimited well and you have some policy floating around like the green new deal or whether Mm. it's um UK labor policy where it's really nice then to come out and go, you know, we've got these really big things. How do we pay for it? Yeah. Don't worry. We've got this platinum going up our sleeves. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you just quickly remind our listeners what quantitative easing is? Oh. <laughs> 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 Maddie? Nah. Well, basically. <laughs> you, you, you said it, Liam. Yeah, you, I did say it. Well, look, okay. I'm, I, I, Five seconds or less. Here's, here is the caveat, dear listeners. We are not economists. We're not here to do a, a rigorous economic critique of MMT. We're, we're political um, like organisers. We're here to talk about like what are the claims that are being made by MMT, what's behind it, what sort of ideology is it sort of supporting, what sort of class interests is it supporting, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not here to explain uh, these things in really strict economic terms, but quantitative easing, as far as I understand it, is the... Central bank. Central bank buys up the shittier assets in the private economy, right? In order that the private economy can buy government bonds. on, And so that is basically like, it's effectively like printing a shit ton of money, but it's an indirect way. It's not the treasury printing money to give directly to the government. It's printing money to buy up assets from the economy, dodgy, shittier ones. So it just releases a shit ton of money into the private like um, market, equity market. And then those um, companies are able to, because now they've got that off their balance sheet, they're able to buy up government bonds. And I think there's some conditions and stuff. And that finances government spending. As far as I know, that's kind of quantitative mm. easing. But it's that's not... That's basically what happens all the time. What what happens is quantitative easing. It's happening on a giant scale. I think for a lot of these things, you can think about them in a really broad strokes of like um, both government and the Reserve Bank or the Fed or depending where you are, are like thinking in terms of whether they're trying to like pump the brakes on the economy or the gas, I guess. Mm. Um, These various mechanisms of trying to stimulate the economy, Mm. um, which is whether it's like printing money, whether it's lowering interest rates or trying to slow the economy. So raising interest rates, um, reducing the money supply. Mm. Um, So I guess quantitative easing being like the go button in the biggest way in a sense, but also one of the most mysterious ones. And it's like banks, bonds, I don't know, stuff. Mm. Yeah, like let's not, not to go too hard on that, but like basically what's happened since the DFC is like central banks just pumping a lot more money into the economy. Mm. And then that not causing inflation 
and then people looking at the lack of inflation and going, gee, that's new. What does this allow us to do? Yeah. yeah. So you have these traditional kind of fears like printing money or stimulating things causes inflation or wage rises causes inflation. This is not what we want. We get this spiral. But yeah, we've had this period where we have done a lot of stimulus and not had a lot of inflation. On, I guess, on the other hand, also not had those effects you want where you're bringing down unemployment or stimulating mm. growth or whatever. We have this almost this kind of broken relationship, I think, between some of those traditional levers. Mm. And so it's a good, maybe a good time for MMT type people to come in and go, it's okay, you can print money, nothing goes wrong. Yeah. But maybe also at this time, nothing is going right. So maybe there's a wider. Mm. I think, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I think what I've sort of sensed in the... Because the reason why I'm interested in talking about this is I've seen um, on when the Greens have put forward stuff recently about tax billionaires to fund X, uh, like dental into Medicare or whatever. There's there's always one guy, uh, it's usually a guy, um, on Facebook or something who will comment like, that's not correct. You, we don't need to tax billionaires, da, da, da. Hashtag learn MMT. You've got the theory of money wrong. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess what I'm interested in trying to work out is like why I think for those, the scent, the feeling I get from it and why I joked about it feeling like a bit of a conspiracy theory at the start was that it seems like it solves everything and it draws a few inferences from what's actually happening and then reframes it in a way that is so um, like... It sounds it sounds so amazing, right? That we won't we won't have inflation, we won't have any class antagonism, we don't have to put anybody offside. If we just print money, um, then we can finance all these things. Of course, there's that's a really um, nasty, like a, a simplified way of saying it, but that's at the core of it. And so it's sort of like how do we we can sidestep what previous economic theories have had to say? Well, someone's going to have to lose out so that other people win. Um, yeah, we're going to have to control inflation so you can't have everything that you want, all this sort of stuff. Here's an economic theory that says, oh, actually, it's quite simple. Um, we can just have everything that we want as long as we educate people on MMT. Then this, you know, that's, yeah. that's, Open your third eye and then yeah. we all use the magic pudding and we're all good. It feels a bit yeah. conspiracy mm. theory to me, right? Yeah, because it's all about conceiving of something in a certain way and what that yeah. allows you to do, which seems really like... Like it doesn't acknowledge that like a material world, I guess. It's so, mm. like one weird trick um, approach to politics. Yeah. I always think it's very similar. It's very similar to Bitcoin and it's very similar to sovereign citizens mm. who think that they don't have to, <laughs> yeah. they've hacked the law. And like, actually, if you look at the law in the right way, it turns out that like if the yep. flag has a gold fringe on it, it means that uh, you court can never judgments, be arrested. Yeah. yeah you yep. can't be arrested. And if you write your name in a certain way, you'll never then, have to pay your child support. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, when you're operating, <laughs> if you're operating under admiralty law, you can yeah. drive your car <laughs> without any a license. Side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's like, look, it kind of gets at something real, which is that, like, <laughs> sorry, Matty, that intervention was just too good. I think it's an important, like, just you know, all MMT commenters are men. Uh, all many sovereign citizens currently oh, dodging their child support uh, obligations. So you heard well, it here first. Like, like it. it because being a sovereign citizen also is rooted in something real, which is like, wait, what is a law? Why do I have to obey them? This is just a thing that's written on a piece of paper. Yes. Why is yeah, one piece like, of paper? It's a social construct. Yeah. Because yeah. I had a really like long conversation with a guy who had a $1.6 million house, was like a small business accountant, and would never vote for anybody because he believes that, like, he's a full-on sovereign citizen. Um, and he was like, <laughs> but like, 
we really agreed quite a lot. Because, mm, like, like mm. what he kept saying is, like, you know, the law and the corporations are colluding yeah. to yes. hold down the yes. common man. And I was like, well, yes. look, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that checks out. I was like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he'd be like, admiralty law. And I'd be like, oh, please, let's just not talk about, like, the specifics <laughs> oh, of God. these mechanisms yeah. because yes. we're going to really solidly disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to have to say I'm a Marxist. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? This Like, a lot of these things have this sense about them where they're, like, deeply, like, they... They conceive of themselves as so radical and antagonistic to the status quo, yet when you actually get down to where their solution lies, it's deeply technocratic and and like. Or in liberal. the case of sovereign citizens, often in practice, very individualistic. Like yeah. the best solution they have is to go off the grid and absolutely. And, and with, with all these things, it's about it's about a pure act of will. Like it's yeah. about saying, mm. "Hey, social constructs are fake, therefore they don't apply to me." Yes. Yeah. And that's Bitcoin I as well. Mean, in though. many ways, I think that's a really understandable response to thinking about the scale of the issue. Yeah. Where you kind of open your third eye to power structures and it's like too much to it deal with. So and your third eye gets being able scrambled. to say like, when I click my heels three times, like law don't apply to me, that is a pretty, that sort of makes sense as a response as yeah. a normal human. Definitely. Because yeah, you look at the, the law and you're like, wait, this is fake. Like there's, there's no reason that this has to be true. It's just enforced by power. I disagree with the power that's enforcing it. They're I like why should it be applied to me and mm. I think all these things just emerge in the context of an absolutely defeated and de- demobilized labor movement because when people don't have an experience of what a- an actual power antagonism feels like like actually engaging in struggle winning losing seeing what that confrontation looks like looking seeing what power we have collectively um, vis-a-vis the power that the you know boss or whatever has um, then it's very easy to kind of get lost and sort of look at the power structures kind of get that bit but not understand the reality of it right and so you you frame it really weirdly you get all sorts of weird Mm. analyses and i think that's actually to be honest i think that's the condition of like most of the left um in in different ways you know like it's very easy to be anti-capitalist um but to be socialist or something you need some experience of what sort of like building power feels like yeah well and i think that's that's exactly the context where mmt is and i think for a lot of people maybe mmt is serving this purpose of like um encouraging them in a sense to open their third eye to like economics being fake Mm. or economics as we hear about Mm. it or as it's weaponized by politicians like it is fake like either a lot things economists say are bullshit Mm. on one level Mm. Things that politicians say, economists say. Yeah. So things that they that they tell us are like necessary yeah. and incontrovertible truths. Like yeah. that's all 100% bullshit to allow politicians mm. to pursue the agendas they want to pursue. Yeah. So I have a lot of sympathy for people going, okay, no, this is all bullshit. This yes. is all just stuff they've been telling us. Mm. Even mm. if the conclusions MMT comes to are not mm. the magic. Yeah. Totally. It's like it's like people who are like, oh, big pharma and everything. And you're like, yeah, great. And it's like, and that's why I'm not taking the vaccine. And you're like, ah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like we, people's lives have been immiserated in so many very real ways mm. by decades of this obsession with getting to a surplus yeah. in so many countries. Mm. So it's not. Yeah, it's very reasonable to go to want to kill this like idol of anti-deficit. It's so weird. It's like the id, like emerging, like uh, the child, like who's been kind of um, all their like urges have been repressed for so long because of like austerity politics, Mm. and now it's like I can have everything. 
everything, you know, <laughs> just like em- erupting out. Yeah. Well, so what 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 do, does MMT like say? We should probably get into that before we keep. Going. Yeah. Well, I guess what I wanted to say before that, although Matt, you were going to say something about Bitcoin, and I oh, think that would be yeah, good because yeah. I'm keen on Bitcoin. I'm a big Bitcoin guy. <laughs> yeah. Keen in what way, Liam? <laughs> Keen to make a heap of money in the speculative economy. <laughs> well, it's just the same thing. Like the big revelation of Bitcoin, the big thing that you open your third eye to is like, whoa, like money's not real. Like money's like mm. fiat currency just in, is just enforced by the will of a central government and like backed by the state. But like it only has value because we accept that it has value. Mm. Yeah. Um. So like the four Bitcoin will be the currency of the future. Yeah. Like, and like, I think the step Bitcoin has always missed is like, oh, so, okay, Bitcoin, like, will have value if the United States government collapses. But, like, in that circumstance, you're going to have much bigger problems. Yeah. Good luck keeping your fucking Bitcoin computers on in that situation. And also, like, exactly. You'll wish you had have invested in tulips. You can at least plan them and look at them in your bloody um, fallout shelter. Um, the, the, like, the only good thing is is hearing Bitcoin described as, okay, so like, what's Bitcoin? All right, imagine if you kept your car idling and that solves Sudokus you could exchange for child porn and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, um, yeah, but also what they seem to miss is like, yes, the American dollar is backed by the American state. That's an extremely firm backing. The American state is very powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. actually, like, that's a much more, like, there's almost no more solid backing in the world than the might of the American state, yeah, yeah. guaranteeing like, that the American dollar has no value. No boat can go anywhere on this planet except mm. for a few small places in the South China Seas without mm. explicit US permission. Yeah. But, Declan, what if I don't acknowledge the US government's control yeah. over the seas as, uh, as a sovereign yeah. uh, boat license holder. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, good luck with that, Maddie. Yeah, we'll right. get on yeah. your boat. Um, I mean, like, the good news for the Bitcoin people is that um, along with the backing, like the US dollar is backed by the US government, like Bitcoin is backed by the markets fucking just yeah. believing in any old bullshit. So I think they'll continue to have luck for quite some time to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like, yeah, Bitcoin and MMT... Uh, they rely on a very there's a similar theory of money and a similar like because that's kind of the the basic idea of MMT um, is what uh, I've seen referred to as neo chartalism, which is a theory about what money is. Um, and as I understand it, as uh, Stephanie Kelton, who's like a big MMT person who was an advisor to Bernie Sanders, um, explains us in her book is like okay. Uh, and, and also uh, David Graeber talks a bit about this in his book, uh, Debt the First Thousand Years. Um, and he's like, okay, people think that money uh, independently evolved as like a, a system for barter. Like people mm. had all these, uh, a diverse array of goods, like one Neolithic farmer had uh, honey and one had uh, milk and they needed a store of money to develop trade yeah, social lubricant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other... That's the Marxist theory of money too. Yeah. Like that's effectively what Marx said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a special kind of commodity that helped the, um, the diversification of an economy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what like... Uh, well, well, I'm remembering what, what like Graeber says in his book is that like no money was invented by Sumerian kings um, in order to manage a centralized economy. And like mm. he's an anarchist and not a Marxist. Mm. But it, it's similar to like what uh, Kelton says is okay, so money is something that effectively the state hands out in order to get you to do work for the state. And the reason Mm. that like the state 
uh, compels you to pay taxes in a certain kind of coinage in order to create a need for that kind of coinage, which it then issues so that you will have to do work for them in order to get those coins. <laughs> which <is> not- <laughs> Which is it's like very um trick like quite difficult to get your head around like that's yeah. already doing my head in and and, <laughs> and she quite explicitly says in her book yeah like I found this really tricky to get my head around first but then after a while and after a few conversations with a wealthy hedge fund manager um who's <laughs> spent oh, yeah, a lot of Warren time from Mosler. Her, Warren yeah. Mosley um my. <laughs> She doesn't say my third eye opened, but it's like, oh, I had a moment of revelation and I was like, everything actually makes sense. Mm. Other state, that's what money like actually really is. Well, you can kind of go with that to a point, but then that like little explanation doesn't follow money into the private economy. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think like the one of the, we can maybe get to it later, but like one of the big blind spots of MMT is like, well, the capitalist, the private capitalist economy, and like, what does it do? Um, it seems to be completely like it does. It does. It's fairly silent on that. But maybe we should just go. A yeah, bit go back to what is MMT? What is what are the kind of the claims that MMT makes? Like, I, so basically, what I wanted to say was, I think I kind of feel like all this discussion we've been having is kind of leading towards the fact that. Well, my analysis anyway is that MMT is a is an economic theory that is based on a number of um, premises before any analysis, before any economic analysis, there's some basic like ideological positions that they have, um, which we've already talked about. Like they, they're technocrats. So they think that like it can just, everything can be just done through the state. Um, they don't think taxation is popular enough. I think there's a lot of people in our milieu who probably are like, oh, that's really cool. Um, because taxation gets people offside like bill shorten got done because he was trying to tax people and then he didn't get elected so if this is some way of not having to talk about taxation all that sort of stuff so i think what it is it's like a strategic perspective that then has an economic kind of like justification economic theory justification so having said all that i think like maybe just going through the core claims of it so i think the base one is and this is the one that breaks like i mean they all break my mind but um the basic one of like spending isn't like government spending isn't linked to tax or revenue, right? Like there's or doesn't there, doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Well, they're yeah. pretty cagey about. Be, right? mm. They're pretty cagey about what they actually mean by this. Mm. Like they'll kind of um, there's a kind of argument which is there's a phrase people use which is they talk about a Morton Bailey argument, which is where like you have a, a version of your position that's like the kind of big expansive popular claims that you might make which is like the government can spend infinite money it never has to pay for anything um which is like the kind of headline that gets people's attention mm. um but then you're when you're pressed on that when someone comes along and says well that's clearly not true is it and like when you're exposed to scrutiny mm. you kind of retreat back into your castle um back into the like the tower of your castle mm. which is the bailey and you say like Oh, no, no, I wasn't saying that. What I'm saying is something that's, like, much smaller than mm, that. Yes. And much, like, I've less... I've definitely seen that play. Yeah. No, yeah. all I'm really saying is that, like, we have to pay for it in a different way. Yes. And the relationship's different. Yeah. And Which then- I think is a much more modest and, like, quite real claim. Like, it is true that it's not, like, 
the way governments work is like, okay, I've got this much revenue coming in and therefore I can spend this much on services. Yeah, stuff, so first right? I have to collect $100 in taxes, then I can spend up to 100 If I want to spend more than 100 I have to take out loans. Yes. And those loans are often like portrayed as this kind of like moral ill in a way mm. that they're a tax on future generations because mm. they'll have to pay the interest of those loans. So eventually yeah. you must balance the budget and the yeah. choice is do Just you like balance it now or balance it tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. And so why is that wrong, Maddie? Well, I mean, because like, these... like the MMT people, like, there's that kernel of truth that they can re- re- like retreat to. Yeah, so I think the MMT position is that you, the government spends as much money as it wants to spend because mm. it makes up the money. Yeah, um, and then you can do various things like you can tax. And mm. the purpose of tax is not to get the money mm. to pay for what you've spent. You've already spent mm. it. Mm. When you spent it, in a sense, you created that mm. money out into the economy. Mm. And then you might just want to tax for various reasons like, um, you know, to tell people what's good and bad, mm. like don't buy cigarettes or yes, to exactly. control inflation. Yes. Inflation is yeah. the big one, right? Yeah. But that you sort of will this money into being yeah. in the first place. But there's like a middle ground, right? The more Keynesian perspective, right? Which I'm not an expert on at all, which is like it's... They, they, it's accepted that government spending is to some extent, but like unlinked to like, it's not just like, oh, I have this much revenue. I can take this much debt. Like the government does create money through debt through, but it's not, it's not like fiat currency. It's like, it is through debt mechanisms. It's very indirect, but the government um, and the, but also the private banking sector itself creates all this money. It's sort of like it is a little bit fanciful, but it happens within certain constraints, right? And certain mechanisms that aren't as simple as print money, give to government, government spend. Well, I think like what, what, like what, what the the kernel of truth in all of this is, is that when like either with a private bank or with with the state, when it spends, what it does is it goes to like central bank, or if you're a private Mm. citizen borrowing from a like a commercial Mm. bank, and you say, I want X amount of money to do X project. Yeah, and then they they, just they press a button. button. that says that amount of money now exists in your account. Yes. And that's that's where that money was created. Yes. But it also was creating a liability on the other side Correct. of that. Yeah. So it's not it's it's new money supply, but it's not new money creation in a lot of ways. No, exactly. Well it, it yeah, it's new money supply, but it's like it's not this kind of like it doesn't come without consequences. It does it's got like there's a mechanism there that that controls it and it's basically debt, right? And it seems like MMT. Yeah, so I think in a broad sense, what we do now when we create new money is create debt that is like, and that debt belongs to private investors. Mm. So in a sense, Mm. a government deficit is financed by interest that the government is paying out Mm. and that's paying that to wealthy asset holders. Yes. So in a way, what we're doing now is we're going, okay, we want to build things. The price we have to pay for that money is Mm. we're going to give X percent to wealthy Mm. bondholders. I think some versions of MMT think, well, the government interest rate could be almost zero Mm. because the government can Mm. back itself. The government's never going to default. So we can create... Some of them say they want... yeah, should be. Yeah, so we can create this money without yes. having to pay these bondholders. Yes. Um, which is kind of an interesting dodge. It's like, well, I would also like us to not pay those wealthy bondholders, but the way I would mm. like us to not pay them is by expropriating their assets yeah. or yeah, taxing yeah. the rich and using that money rather than yeah. incurring these um, debts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's the that to me is where I sort of see that's this slipperiness of the MMT argument is that sometimes it verges on what I think is like relatively sensible Keynesian perspective on money which is kind of like government borrows and and what what happens or when borrowing happens money is created it's just kind of created 
And what that does then is grow the economy and that increases the revenue base for the government and all this sort of stuff. It's not like you have to wait until you've accumulated all this money before you can start spending. It's almost like you flip, you flip it. It's not like taxation happens, then spending, and maybe there's a little gap for debt. It's in fact, debt's kind of the first thing. That's how money gets created. Then you pump it into the economy. Then you can kind of recoup it and so on, especially if you're a sovereign government, right? Like you, you can handle that. And that's understandable and, and fairly correct. And I think where yeah mmt kind of takes it just to that next level where it's like well actually no it's we don't even need the debt bit um and so and i think that's where like probably one of the biggest blind spots of the mmt thing is like class power right it's like where, what does the capitalist class do with regard to like a government being able to finance anything it wants right like i was, I was just gonna say yeah like in theory any government that prints its own currency like the Australian government could just come out tomorrow and say, oh, we've printed 500 quadrillion dollars and just go out into the street and start mm. throwing bills at people. Mm. And what would happen um, instead of like, like, like there are, like I've seen MMT people effectively say, yes, let's do that. Mm. And that's not a sustainable argument because what would happen is massive inflation. Yeah. Like what has in fact happened in like Zimbabwe famously. Mm. I think I've got at home like a, a quadrillion dollar Zimbabwe bill somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, which bought, you know, a sandwich. Yeah. Like, but this is where they'll, they'll say, okay, yes, of course. And that's why we would actually need taxation. And that's where we'd need other well, mechanisms and I also think to that, have deflationary strategies. Yeah. yeah like, so the MMT people like to talk about how all these inflationary examples, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, whatever, mm. are, were like, basket cases in the first place yeah and they weren't effectively economically sovereign or monetarily yeah. sovereign because and they, they also yeah. have this idea that it's um desirable to print money up to the point where the economy is at capacity mm. so have the this idea and usually this is where they get into the idea of reaching full employment they have this mm. idea that in various ways whether it's unemployed people or unemployed like not not used assets mm. in our society there's all these things going on that could be happening and sometimes it gets a bit muddy because here they start talking about work that isn't getting done that could be done like care work or environmental mm. work they're saying there's all these useful things that could be done yeah so what we do is we print more money and we buy these services or people's labor up to the point where we're up fully to the utilizing point. the economy so it doesn't have yeah. to be inflationary because we're just fully utilizing the economy and this mm. is good we're going to be mm. all perfectly running there's so actually, i think this is yeah. normally there the job guarantee bit of it is really interesting it's actually really yeah. central to their claims yeah and it's a, and it's actually kind of fucked. I was reading about it a little bit. And I'm like, oh, because it's sort of like there's a there's a left wing like MMT, right? There's a left well, or like or there's there's left wing people who go. This is how we can get left wing policies. Mm. Job guarantee sounds very left wing. I like that. Maybe a UBI. Um, we could finance a Green New Deal this way. So that's like. Okay, fantastic. We can just do it. Um, we just need to get the right person in, in you know, presidency or government Someone or whatever. Someone who conceives of money in the right way. And yeah, then yeah, and has our values, and then that, and then they can enact it. Um, but the like, the jobs guarantee bit of it has a really like dark undercurrent to it yeah um, it's interesting yeah. there's really like the light in the dark of the jobs guarantee yeah. in this. there's a lot of utopian talk about you know underemployed people and giving yes. them skills and giving yes. everyone a purpose and yes. a reasonable uh, livable wage and so forth and and the other but side then they yeah. fall back on this like well you know what we want to do away with is this really inhumane structure we have in like recent management of capitalist economies mm. where there's this idea that to fight 
out of control inflation, you need to have a certain percentage of the population unemployed at all times. Right. This natural rate of yep. unemployment. Yeah. And they have this kind of this idea, as I understand it, which might be very wrong, mm. that they almost want to convert this um, reserve of unemployed people into a reserve of like job guarantee people. Yes. And they say, well, that's this w- is right. more productive. They would be working. But if that's the case, then you still need like you need these people to be a discipline on wages. Correct. Otherwise, this is the it's really not having dark this part of their job guarantee thing is, in fact, the the mechanism by which they deliver. I can't remember the terminology. I don't know. And if I've heard it talked it. about. You know, it'll be fantastic this job guarantee because it will provide some kind of minimum conditions. Yes. Like especially in the US, this yeah. is really yeah. exciting to think about. Yeah. You know, if you have a, a job with a certain conditions, healthcare mm. hours, whatever, it's going to be attractive. Mm. But yeah, I think I mean it's worth explaining for people this traditional mechanism of you know if inflation is getting too high. Mm. Um, prices are growing up, wages are going up, what the government needs to do is somehow rein the economy in. Mm. And one of the ways to do that, and there's all kinds of levers here, like the traditional one is you put up interest rates. This makes it harder for businesses to do things, mm. makes them expensive to get money and expand. So they lay off workers. This raises the unemployment rate. This yep. brings wages down. Yep. So if you want this job guarantee people to be performing the same function, then you need it to be a disciplinary thing that – Yep. If the economy is running too hot, you are essentially fired from your job and taken up into this job guaranteed job, mm-hmm. which must have a lower wage. Otherwise, which what's the point? Which has a lower wage and has a f- and has it fixed. And so this is that this is the amazing thing is like that it ha- it's pegged. Like the the wage that you can get from a job guaranteed job is like pegged nice and low, um, and that there's no way, no mechanism for those workers to make wage like claims right to 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 collectively organize to increase their wage and i think and that's this is where it gets very like yeah they're they're this floating pool of the unemployed but unemployed who have to work like this seems like a fucking crock of shit yeah yeah and so it's sort of like because they're because i mean to translate what maddie was just saying into like what it means for your workers and so on it's like if you have the threat of being sacked then um you're restricted on your wage demands right like you, if your boss can just lay all of you off and is happy to, then you're much less likely to say, hey, I want a 5% increase in my wage. Um, whereas if you've got a nice job lined up that if they fire you, you can just jump right into with a decent wage and everything, you've got a much stronger bargaining position, right? And that's the structural function mm. of unemployment in the economy to, to keep inflation down because it, it limits wage demands. So what they're trying to do is say, yes, we can have both. We can have a jobs guarantee, but in a way that doesn't increase the, the purchasing power or the, the, the capacity of the, of the labor movement to make wage demands. So it's, a, it's very, very, very technocratic. It's very much like this is how we manage the working class because last time we got something close to full employment we, in the 70s and so on, mm. we had um, like inflation to the extent where that produced a social crisis, right? Not necessarily the inflation, inflation itself, but it was one of the justifications for the neoliberal turn was, um, and there were all sorts of mechanisms in the 70s and 80s, as we know, with like the accord and stuff to try to lower those wage claims. And this is like their way of doing it, but it, it it's it's a regressive one. It's not, it's like yeah, this, it's, this it's job really interesting. is not genuinely lets, progressive. It kind of lets people talk about, and I think a lot of people interested in this genuinely are interested in like full employment as this vision of... Um, the good society. Yeah, the good yeah. life, good society, um, you know, much more worker power, uh, worker control. And like if this seems to me really fundamentally inconsistent with this job guarantee role mm. as fighting inflation. Mm. 
Um, and if, I don't know, if a job guarantee or if this like MMT government got you anywhere near a real full employment scenario, then why would capital allow that to happen? Yes. Like if you've had I enough power to make this happen, then why not use this power for something more than the fucking I'd weird love to talk about Green that Army now, bullshit? Actually. Like yeah. is always saying, right? It's like, well, look, if you've got the power to impose full employment on, on the state, mm. you've got the power to... You've got the power to completely supersede the like, mm. the mode of production. Like, yeah, you've got the yeah. power to change the the relations yeah. of society. Why the why are we doing that by change? Why why are we doing that with a little job guarantee? Well, th- but- and this is this is the thing about when when you think about it technocratically, and you go, okay, if we get a progressive person in government, like the head of government, um, who believes in MMT, and then they could just do these things. It's not that is just fundamentally not true. That, well, they couldn't they couldn't deliver genuine progressive solutions because genuine progressive solutions cut into the interests of the capitalist class. It's very easy to conceive of a right wing M- MMT. It's effectively what we've already got. Kind of like you just well in the throw sense that money if at the you, private market if it needs it right? or yeah either private bailouts or if yeah. you want to fund the military or yeah, want to fund exactly. corporate corporate tax cuts exactly. there'll never be a concern about the deficit exactly exactly so you've got we've already got MMT for the rich right to have MMT for the poor you would need a giant like society wide reorganization mm. of like working class power to impose that in which case. It's not really a question of whether you have the MMT theory or a Keynesian theory or whatever. It's a question of whether you have the power to fight a capitalist class who will try to destroy you every time you try to implement a policy that is going to be advantageous to the working class and against the interests of the ruling class. And to spell that out, I guess it's sort of like um, if we did fund something that genuinely increased the capacity of the working class to um, say to their bosses, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm just not going to work for you. Then, then that's and that's where I suppose, like, that's where you wouldn't be able to implement that policy without a giant fucking like, you know, pushback. Or if you say we're going to, I mean, I suppose MMT doesn't want to tax anybody, but like, well, it's, it's well, well so sometimes I was reading, it does. Um, Kelton's Kelton wrote a piece in the New Yorker the other day about about MMT and inflation. She was like very very seriously mm. taking this kind of condition, and what she was saying is like, well, look, we very explicitly shoot like. She was, she was criticizing Biden's kind of like, look, we're going to tax the rich to, to, to fund mm. infrastructure. And what she was saying is taxing the rich is not good, actually, because mm. they already just keep leave it in savings. What we really need to do... if oh, we because it if, won't have deflationary... It, it oh won't actually prevent inflation. So God, who we actually need to raise so tax on... Fucked. The people we need to raise tax on is the, the, like, the lower working class the and the middle, middle class because these are the people who spend, spend money it. in the economy mm. and lower the rate of... And, and like increase oh. the rate of inflation. Oh. So really, what like the role that tax is playing in, M- in MMT is saying, okay, who are the people we need to tax to prevent people spending money? Oh, that's the general population. <laughs> so effectively, like it's, it's yeah, about wage control. I had read wage yeah. yeah, I'd read them talking about this really technocratic prescription of, you know, the way we're going to control inflation, we don't need to worry about the deficit. Mm-hmm. We need to worry about inflation. One of the levers for that is taxation. As if, I mean, firstly, there's a big problem with that. The idea that the government, like it assumes that like the monetary and the fiscal, so the things mm-hmm. that the um, Reserve Bank do and the things that the government do are like in lockstep mm-hmm. and it's responsive and politicians will mm-hmm. do what needs to be done mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat. Anyway, yes. leaving that aside. <laughs> um, leaving that very, very important very caveat. But that, but that's something that MMT does all the time, right? They're yeah. like, okay, leaving the structure of society aside. Yes, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, leaving yeah. that very huge thing aside, yeah. then you then get to like, well, who is paying these taxes? And it's interesting to hear her say very explicitly that, well, regular people are paying these taxes. Oh, that is... It's so amazing. It's so amazing, which, I mean, it just goes to the heart of how technocratic the perspective is. Well, like, how are you going to 
Like, how are we going to pass that bill? I mean, I thought the whole idea of MMT was like... You don't need a bill. You just need like an automatic crypto type of system where the level of tax is like in the real real time voted up and down by a series of fucking microtransactions or some bullshit. Yeah, I can imagine that being part of the worldview for sure. Well, like it... Because like... You know, at first I thought, oh, the idea of MMT was like, we can, we don't have to tell people we're going to raise their taxes. Mm. But now they're coming in saying, oh, actually, like, fine print there. No, like, we're specifically only your taxes. Yeah, like, yeah, we're specifically kind of not raising rich people's taxes. I guess it's yeah. kind of honest in the sense that the way that a, a tax like the GST or a really broad-based mm. tax mm. works is that it hits the poor and it hits regular people True. proportionally much more. So yeah. it's in a sense it's being honest about that structure of taxation. <laughs> but it's and then when brutal. you think about income and wealth taxes, that <laughs> the wealthy avoid tax. So yes. even if the stated yeah. rate is progressive, yes. in effect yeah. it is regressive. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it also in terms of like what's the process by which you would pass this into law, obviously you're not going to build a mass movement on like please raise our taxes, but Mm. not your taxes. So that's only something... The only way that gets made into policy is if the the think tank people Mm. just work it out behind the scenes. I I could see this, like, to some extent, like, if you thought of it, this kind of idea emerging, say, in the 70s and then into the 80s, you could imagine, like, Bob Hawke doing this for 10 years and then it falling apart. Like, it's basically like a different way of doing a prices and incomes accord. It's a very collaborationist um, politics. Yeah, and but for a collaborationist politics, you need an organised working class. Like, you, uh, for this to have the kind of social um, stabilising effect it's supposed to have, r- rather than just allow for um, the complete runaway insanity of the, like, financial capitalist class, which is what it would lead to in, in our current... Power and what relations. it's designed to do. Yeah, and what it's designed to do. You would need an organized working class that would be able to come to the table and impose at least some conditions on it and say, look, we're, we're going to limit blah, 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 our wage demands or whatever, like some corporate corporatist sort of strategy to make it remotely um, do the progressive elements of mm. it. And again, this is just comes back to that basic point about like, look, if you're a progressive and you like the idea of MMT, think very, very hard about what you think um, power in our society looks like and what is possible when at the, at the level of the state. Um, we, <laughs> I just suppose as um, a whole bunch of like Marxists in this room, it's um, fanciful to think that, yeah, just electing some progressive-minded technocrats were going to get anything Well, good. I think there's a whole lot of people out there and a lot of them are probably, you know, if you imagine the kind of person who is an economist or a mm. lawyer or who works in this part of the public service or the Reserve Bank, if you're on the left of that environment, that leads you in a very centrist place mm. but still, still believing these institutions and wanting to improve people's lives and a lot of those people that I've met and have in the past been like you it's re- you can be really susceptible to this idea that yep. actually you do want technocrats in charge yes. like you're sick of politicians mm. making decisions yep. that don't yep. make sense they either don't make economic sense they don't make humanitarian sense yep. so this vision of a government of technocracy mm. is one that i think a lot of these people probably have even if not explicitly at some level in their heart having you know been in these places and watched politicians make yeah Totally. And I also think people who work um, also on the front line of services as well could be susceptible to this because they, they, the, this idea of like, oh, let's not reinforce the scarcity mindset or like the scarcity, the ideology mm. of scarcity. If there's a simple way of solving that and just being like, oh, well, we don't need cuts because, um, you know, that whole thing of like, oh, to say that we need to tax Gina Reinhardt to pay for things, it 
suggests that there isn't enough to go around when in fact there is and so therefore we can fund those social services um, so you don't have to worry about we're not going to cut the health department we're yeah. not going to help the cut education all those sorts of things I wanted to just um, move on a little bit to the international dimension um, before we get on to why taxing billionaires is good actually because I think the other part of all of this is just how fucking imperialist it is well uh, how much it just like is only it's only interesting in the context of the United States like this like yeah. this whole idea like it's it's incredible that the, the term like MMT was coined by an Australian yeah because it really only makes sense if you for a if, global superpower if, yeah. if you've got the base like what, what's it called the reserve currency yeah because mm-hmm. like yeah. every other country has to buy yeah stuff like like especially with with a deliberately globalized yeah. economy yeah, yeah, where yeah, so yeah. that we can weaken labor movements yeah. in any yeah. geographical position yeah. we have to buy stuff from another country right like, exactly you know if, if you buy a tie if you Absolutely. buy a tv you're buying one that was produced in japan or in right. korea or in china exactly if you buy like coal, you're buying it from Australia. If you mm, buy, mm. you know, iron ore, you're buying it from yeah. Australia. You know, so if you're like, and if a particularly or you're buying oil, yeah. you have to buy it in US dollars. Yeah, right. And so if you're in, if you're the Bolivian government, no amount of just producing the Bolivian, what is it, a lira or something? The uh, Bolivian, I think it's Bolivian, Bolivianos. Bolivianos, fucking sick name. All right, if you can, you can pump out as much Bolivianos into your fucking um, current, like local domestic like um, uh, market, but you don't have the capital there to buy. Like you can't buy mm. the machinery. You can't buy the things that will stimulate the economy correctly. So it will just be a fucking disaster. Also, you will just get absolutely fucked. As soon as you start to do that and try to do progressive things with it, you'll just get fucking wrecked by US imperial. Like mm. they'll just fucking coo the shit out of you. And you can't, you can't buy some stuff that you need to develop your economy well, you, with Bolivianos. Most, of it. Like, most like, of it. You're like literally most, most things. Imagine trying to buy yeah. like sophisticated German, like, yeah. like, capital intensive machinery yeah. like and being like oh i will pay for it in bolivianos be like well absolutely no you will not you'll pay for it in euros or you'll pay for it in us dollars especially and that's what we'll when accept. you're printing so much more so you're devaluing your own currency yeah. right like mm. it's just gonna absolutely fall over yeah so and i've seen fun. this defense where it's like well if you're doing mmt what's happening is you're printing this money and obviously like global capital markets don't like that but what's happening is you're using that money productively you're using that to get everyone and everything in your country working and why would investors penalize a like <laughs> optimal economy they love it they would be like they'd see that and they'd be like yep that's a goer but it's just fucked like if you combine this with any of these leftist policy goals why would you not immediately get smashed because they're all going to cut into the profit like they're not going to go wow this is a well-oiled machine the people here are happy they're loving it yeah it's it's conditioned on you act like using that like that that printing of money to activate the economy in a way that benefits the interests of the ruling class Mm -hmm. because if you if you try and like fund a jobs guarantee but make it a democratic jobs guarantee Mm. where so like it's you know it's like geographically community-based boards who get to vote on what they're going to right. do and like how they're going to employ people some, in that yeah, community and, and have and exactly. have proper democratic like and social like a socialist control over it yeah well all of a sudden that's that's ins- that's that's very bad like that's, that's yeah that, like you don't want to give workers any sort of like autonomy over their lives yeah. like that well, all of a sudden they're going to start wondering why there's bosses like, yeah exactly and yeah it's not even a question of like oh does that cut into the profitability of the corporate sector which it would but yeah do like you need the, some kind of like other job guarantee people forbidden from competing with any like private yes. industry like what's going on yeah in here? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like what it, what it requires in terms of like policing the people who are members of a job guarantee and, and like like compelling them to do certain forms of work in certain ways in certain pl- sectors of the economy and never moving from 
that is it's like well, it's, it's also, quite authoritarian. Even I, if you can somehow like control, say you're getting a certain minimum wage, whatever, mm. you can't compete. You you're doing whatever, but then you imagine some kind of democratic control of it. They like to talk about like locally organized priorities. But if you're going to be this like reserve mm. army of the job guarantee, you need to be able to move in and out of it at random. So mm. it's like okay, you're like looking after the elderly, you're walking dogs, you're, you're paying the park, like and then you just instantly stop doing the that. Yeah. Like the minute yeah. that the economy changes, you can yes. just be pulled out of that. Yes. And yeah, yeah, you're like a neoliberal wet dream like reserve army for so yeah. you're in this like you can imagine this like yeah. trying to engage in this in good faith like yeah. thinking about what you need done in your community and then yeah. two years later you have like an upswing and everyone's gone and yeah yeah, well, yeah. how do you deal with people who say well actually the the, the job guarantee like wage is livable I'm, mm. I'm i'm happy and comfortable mm. on it and i would rather work in my community doing these mm. things i want to do so i'm not going to move and i imagine most mm. people would do that mm. to be perfectly mm. honest mm. well that's the end of the private economy well, yeah. well, this presupposes it is livable. I suspect most of these proposals, it's not really yeah. livable. It's yeah. like you it's get an extra line. fucking five bucks a week yeah. on your um, Centrelink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you, or you don't, to, you don't have, have to go see Serena Russo anymore. Yeah, yeah. It would, it, it would have, have to be, have to be that. Like, like it would have yeah. to be, it would have to be unlivable, or it would mean that people would start doing that. Like, mm. yes. Or you essentially cut the unemployment benefit and replace it with a job guarantee. Yes, which I think is also quite. I possible. mean, I think that's that's the program. I think that's obviously what's going to happen. Is it's workfare? Yeah, and I think basically. You know, just to like wrap all that up is that that is then compounded if you're not a uh, first world fucking like global power. Like I think Australia, you know, borderline possible US, uh, US could theoretically do it as long as it didn't hurt the US capitalist class, as long as it was done in a regressive right wing sort of way. But yeah, anyone who's outside of the handful of global superpowers it's just it's a biz- so like okay great so we're happy to just like blow up like just say the rest of the world oh well you need your own you got to make your own magical economic magical theory economic this theory. one only works for us yeah 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 exactly um but maybe we already we should- have our own magical ec- magical economic theory it's the immortal science of marxism lenin yeah that's right <laughs> it's the fucking bring everything under fucking democratic workers control um which maybe we should just uh, we've been going for like i don't know 50 minutes or something why don't we just pivot cuz one of my the things that i think is most important about this is the claim that is that um you don't win friends by having a class antagonistic politics like that that's actually not like it's strategically bad um you know that's a claim that i've seen made repeatedly on when we're kind of putting forward things like i was saying earlier like tax gina reinhardt to fund dental into medicare or um you know fully fund our schools or whatever that they're like um no, don't. That's that's going to get people offside. And I, I suppose I wanted to just sort of talk about like heading out door knocking and talking to everyday people about taxing billionaires as part of a like as part of a strategy of building working class consciousness and power. Like something that MMT just simply mm. doesn't doesn't seem to be interested in doing. Like it's not about actually building capacity. Consciousness as far as I can tell, it's just like from reading the like idiot's guide to MMT, it, there's just no recognition of billionaires at all. Mm. There's this like, you know, step one, create money. Step mm. two, build services. Step three, everybody's happy. Yeah. At no point in here is there any sense of like, where is the share of profit 
yes. that goes to the wealthy in the economy. Yes. How does it change? Yes. Is it desirable? It just yep. doesn't even exist. Yep. And I yep. think probably because in their conception, money in the private economy doesn't really exist. It's this mm. just like it's loop just, of the it's, government. It's like the, the, the state envelops everything. It's like this self-masturbatory like yeah. thing that is totally So it's like for my question is like where is yeah. wealth and yeah. where is power yeah. like, in this theory? And I don't think it's anywhere, probably mm, on purpose. Mm, mm. Yeah, like it's kind of rooted in the uh, charterist account of money is like just this thing that the state hands out in exchange for like service to the state and it's like never has any validity as like a tool of barter or like even if in theory you could make a historical argument about like that being the way that money money comes into being um like there's still plenty of like even just reading wikipedia they were like oh consider somalia like there's the somali shilling that's still in use in somalia as a means of exchange, even though Somalia has no central government. Mm. And there's plenty of situations, mm. like, around the world, like... Yeah. I don't know. My, th- my, th- my first thought was, like, well, pirates used the Spanish dollar as currency and mm. there was no central government in, like, mm. p- the pirate islands. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 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 true. Yeah. But, like, there's plenty of situations, like... People use, you know, kind of use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange and there's no, like, state mm. authority mm. supporting... like. So that's clearly not all money is, mm, and clearly mm, there mm. is such a thing as a private economy separate from the state. Yeah, and and fun, funnily enough, I think everyday people get this. I think it's the other thing is like MMT people are kind of like it's a weird, actually slightly schizophrenic mindset because on the one hand, I think we've already sort of touched on this. On the one hand, it's like, oh, um, people don't like when you say that we're going to tax people to spend mm. stuff, but then when you say actually no, people do like it. Um, and that's how we're going to win, like, the social sort of majority for uh, an economic program that's, like, left-wing or whatever. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, that's you pandering to populist kind of um, politics. Yeah. Which is very dangerous. Which is it's basically very what dangerous Hitler did. Bad. Yeah, it's basically what Hitler did. And so what we actually need to do is re- go and re-educate people. It's this weird flip-flop between, mm. on the one hand, we're doing this because we don't think people like taxes. But then as soon as you say, no, we're not going to tax everyday people anymore. We're going to tax big corporations and, and billionaires then they're like oh yeah but that's that's incorrect and sure you could win some votes like that yes but that's not true and that's going to make things really hard for you down the track and that you're leading people astray i understand i've seen people say this like i understand why you're doing it i understand why as a popular strategy it wins votes but you shouldn't do it because it's miseducating people so you should actually take the time when you go out door knocking or whatever oh to explain to people why we don't need to tax uh, Gina Reinhardt or anything and I suppose like th- it's just like I everyday people are just smarter than MMT theorists <laughs> like <laughs> they don't they don't um, you know they understand that like billionaires and big corporations rule everything they understand that if we're gonna do better someone's gonna have to lose out the only thing that they don't think is possible is that it could actually happen that we could build the power to fight mm, back yeah. to, to to get that wealth off them and to redistribute it and to like that's the thing that we have to to convince people of it's not some weird technocratic mechanism thing it's like do people believe that things can get better that's what we have to do it's not to re program everyone's brain into a new economic theory people get the basics quite well a lot better than the fucking um well if this was if there was a way to make money and make things with no cost why would this way not immediately be seized by people with power it doesn't check out and i think ordinary people they understand that they Mm. fucking get it they're like no that 
that doesn't sound like it would work. Like that sounds implausible to me. That sounds like you're peddling some bullshit to me. I think the thing it is that sounds a little too good to be true. Yeah. So which is why I think the social. Base and if you of believe MMT in it, what like, do you do? You wait for a technocrat to save like you, as yeah. opposed to believing that yes. there might be some way to organize. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think when you head out and you're door knocking, it's like so. Um, the, the joy of it all is to is to say that we can we can achieve this if we build the capacity to impose upon people like Gina Reinhardt like our interests collectively yeah. and then what you're doing is building that collective um, identity and all that sort of stuff something that's completely missing in all of the you're building a, you're building a class conception based around antagonism which yeah. is good which is very mm. fucking good, good and, and kind of like very fucking important because it's like it's it's a true representation of the world we yeah. we have yeah. A global working class. It's yeah. like it's widely differentiated yes. in different places and different like groups, etc. But yeah. but we have a global working class and we have a global ruling class. Yeah. They make money by buying stuff and getting us to work. Yeah, skimming and off the top. Like, yeah. and that's just yeah. that's the mechanics of the world. And if yeah. we talk about that with people, yeah. people recognise that as yeah. true because that that is, is their experience. And while they've had all this ideology and stuff thrown at them to kind of confuse them there's still a kernel in i think the vast majority of the working class in australia at the very least that kind of goes yeah look i get that like yeah that's that that sounds right mm. like, yeah, like, it, yeah it is unfortunately true that there is a very um there seems to be a lot of people on the left who think on some level that if the working class actually had power or if there was any kind of mass politics like if people in australia were like collectively wielding power they would just like um, turn on each other like dogs. Well, they just like, do white supremacy, yeah. you know, yeah, and they well, just do true. like, like Which, yeah, but like, and who are just like, yeah, but that's mass politics, yeah, and like, yeah. what if that? What if they just vote for Donald Trump and they yeah. just do what Hitler did? Like, yeah, winning elections is basically what Hitler did. Or, or like, or the working class doesn't understand how things work. Yeah. And so their demands are unrealistic because they're not tempered by the kind of like sensible mm. um, technocratic mindset that comes through years and years of university education, years and years of being in the state institutions and apparatuses that, uh, that kind of give you a, a framework for understanding what is reasonable policy and what is unreasonable policy. Yeah. The working class, how could they possibly know any of that stuff? Like, of course, they're going to want free childcare, free university education free uh publicly owned renewables or whatever of course they're going to want that no one's disputing that they want it although some people in labor do like but they shouldn't want it because that just wouldn't you know like they need to be educated they need to have a soda tax their, they're just going to drink all that free childcare and yeah get and that will and then, be bad for yeah. the economy because some x y and z reason you know and some of it i don't think is quite so like explicitly contemptuous it's just like if you've come from that world then mm. the way you think about changing the world is like lobbying the state and influencing the state yeah. like maybe if the state stayed yeah. as it was but yes. pursued this different policy yes. as opposed to seizing the state reforming the state yeah. a really different distribution of power yeah yes, and, and like, like i think on like both on the left and and like from this like centrist kind of thing it sees the state as this incredibly like incontestable space like the state the state emerged like mm. the state emerged alongside capitalism and it it serves to function in like in capitalist interests which is like yeah. which is true like i think yeah. that's true but but that's like a very fixed relation mm. which i think ignores all the various things that have happened that have changed the way the state like functions, like, <laughs> like you know, universal suffrage, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, that when like... the state was formed, only male property owners could vote. Yeah, like yeah. so it was. It was very explicitly a, a very state. different yeah. 
like yeah. state yeah. than yeah. it is now, where everyone has to vote, and like obviously um, like consent is manufactured, and yes. like and yeah, like yeah, and exactly. like and the state institutions all fight against any mm. progressive uh, direction that the democratic populace wills. But, yeah. but, but the, 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 the populace has willed certain things yeah, on it. Has tried to will, has some capacity to will it, it within the state. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it has willed some things. It's the the, the role of the state has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it's not like universal suffrage was like the capitalist class didn't say, aha, we're going to allow this to happen, yeah. but secretly letting everyone vote is part of our scheme to co-op the left. And yes. actually, this is all going exactly how we want it yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're going to give everywhere, <laughs> we're going to introduce the, the National Health Service, and then people will become dependent on us for health care. Yes. And that'll actually, that'll be really good for us. And none of this counts. They, All of these were like... These yeah. idiot reformers think they're winning, but actually none of this counts because we're just co-opting yeah. it to yes. serve our evil yeah. purposes all along, and it was all fake. And you actually secretly lost which is, whenever you think you were winning. Which is um, an argument that I've seen come up around the recent um, ruling on um, the uh, what's his name, Derek Chauvin, the the cop, right, who got um, who finally got charged for second and third degree uh, murder, and the and the layer of people who are saying oh, this is just the state co-opting Black Lives Matter um, and you're all hoodwinked if you're celebrating it um, rather than saying, like, great, we've through through massive riots, through huge protests, through a sustained mobilisation effort from Black Lives Matter, from the movement of Black Lives, we've managed to get this one win, which is a, is a flashpoint for us to then fight for more wins. Like, it, wouldn't the second one make more sense, right? Like, they didn't want to... Or if nothing else is a barometer of <laughs> right. the where you have gotten to with yeah, your pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think it's similar, right? And, and I think, again, this is where, like, any of these technocratic things theories and Keynesianism is no different left Keynesianism is still one of these things of like if we get the levers right if we have the right people in the right institute like the right government with the right perspective they will be able to do the right balance between you know um, borrowing and and spending they'll be able to have those set the interest rates correctly all this sort of stuff and then we will be able to get full employment we'll be able to get uh, decent social services and we'll be able to hold off societal fucking collapse Um, yeah which is they're, they're all effectively just, um, you know, kind of this one weird trick. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thought experiment that if what if we ran up deficits to give people things that improve their material lives as opposed to do corporate bailouts. But how are we going to just switch from that one thing to that other thing? Well, we're in a position now, I think, where the left is making the left is like making gains and mm. like for the first time in decades. Mm. Well, like we have we have a like there is like a, a left. mass left yeah. for the first time since mm. 1982. Mm. Well, year. an emergent mass left. Yeah, it's, an emergent. Yeah. Mm. I mean the DSA went from 6000 members to 95000 in okay, about like, 6 years. That's pretty impressive. That's yeah. not nothing. Yeah, it's not you nothing. can at least okay, okay, like there at least is at least an upward tra- trajectory, but there's still like a lot of people on the left still can't conceive that that's actually happening mm. and is still like, Or that it could be good. Mm. Yeah. Or that winning is good. And so we're in this weird position where, like, every time we do make a gain, however slight or however unsatisfying it might Mm. be, there's this real tendency to just, like, just go full doomer mode and just go and say, like, no, 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 that was just a capitalist scheme. That was just another... Yeah. That was just another trick. It's just all being co-opted. It's Mm. our Mm. our enemies actually let that one through to trick us. Yeah. And that, like, you can't, like, you can't take any pleasure in that at all. That's, Mm. like... Mm. Don't you see that you're just going to be co-opted and just turned into another pawn of the system? <laughs> Which, I think Which could be something that MMT actually is, though, a weird yeah. capitalist but trick. But it's also yeah. like... When you look at old mate um, 
hedge fund guy. Yeah, yeah, Mosley. Yeah. What's his, his name? name? Yeah, Mosley. who? Mosley yeah. is such a classic the, hedge fund guy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the yeah main founders and financer of MMT. And who, doesn't he live on a tax He lives in, in the British haven. Virgin Islands yeah, or something, nice. not paying any tax. Just yeah. Mm, maybe yeah, it's a little one bit. small <laughs> coincidence <laughs> there. But it's also true that where MMT comes from is from a left that doesn't actually believe that you could win things through a mass movement. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, it actually... I think the MMT people in a lot of cases see it as easier to accomplish than to convince, mm. like, mm. a majority of people that yeah. it's actually good yeah. to tax billionaires this and is what seize I, their property. That's a really fucking good point, because I see that um, happening a lot, is this liberal and ultra-left um, shortcut mentality where they somehow seemingly think that um, abolishing the colonial state in Australia is more doable than winning a Greens government or implementing MMT on the other flip side, on the liberal flip side, is somehow more likely to happen than us building a big mass movement that's capable of winning government, that's capable of imposing mm. our like collective class power yeah. over the ruling class. Like, it's sort of like... Oh, but that sounds like we'd need an 18-year plan to do it. <laughs> uh, I don't why that sounds that sounds bad. Can't can't we? Just, yeah, can't we just hope that this weird trick happens? Well, yeah. Once you've done all those things, well, that's not gonna uh, that's well, not gonna undo the structure of society that, right. that caused pain and, and injustice. And like, we well, might still fail. So why would you even bother? And it's like, well, yes, those things are all true. But like <laughs> at some at some point, like power is being held yeah. by certain people and wielded in certain ways. Yeah. And there's no way, like, there's, there's no, there's, sorry, no there's no way, way through there's it. No like, we can't go too. under yeah. that, we can't yeah. go around it, we have to go through it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, like, fundamentally, like, I, I do think people, like, the MMT people and even, like, the decolonial people think that what they're doing is realistic and practical and, like, what we're trying to do is just, like, a pie-in-the-sky mm, kind of fantasy mm, dream mm. because fundamentally it's easier to in their minds, convert a, a small but core group of university-educated, mm. like, NGO people and, like, um, you know, med- med- people with media jobs, basically, to uh, create and enforce a kind of mass re-education program yes. that would then create the, un- like, over, like, mm. decades would create the kind of underlying shift in attitudes Well, I guess that would yeah. lead to, like, a, a social revolution. But if we just started now by trying to convince, like, by just trying to speak to, like... Yeah, like 18 the, bureaucrats and yeah. a few senators or yeah. something. But, yeah. like, if we just started now by trying to speak to, like, the mass of people where they currently are, mm. it's like, no, that would be impossible yeah. because, like, we know that the ordinary, yeah. like, the average Australian having not undergone a re-education progress a re-education process yeah. is just fundamentally like too basically stupid I guess well, yeah I think I think it's a very like it's a very like immaterial politics yeah what I was it, just what, say that what it yeah. sees is like the way like the way injustices in our society are enforced are enforced by Bad by ideas. everybody equally mm. as opposed oh, yeah. like by yeah by saying like you know like when racism functions mm. in Australia it's because it's because mm. everyone has this base mm. kind of level of mm. of like social programming that they've mm. inherited from from a racist mm. colonial state mm. that like mm. that enforces that mm. like that manifests in structural racism mm. as opposed to I guess saying that like there are there are these concrete concrete material structures yeah. of of racism which like a like condition on land land dispossession and, yeah. and like and using that land mm. for capitalist production yeah. that that it's looking at changing saying well like well you if can't we, yeah you can't talk to the people who are part of like a part of doing that racism yeah. which is the race as we conceive it racism mm. of of like personal prejudice mm. Mm. You can't talk to those people, and if you assume the other one, then you're then you're becoming the people who are enforcing dispossession, as yeah. opposed to saying that there's going to be some sort of relationship between these two things, yeah. and 
like some sort of historical like production of of a new society. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail on the head about it not being materialist, and I think this is probably the main thing, right? Where it's like, um, if your analysis is these structures that bad economic policy has emerged because people have had bad the wrong ideas, right? And if we just re-educate the people. Um, whether that's all just the, the handful of technocrats and government or it's we need a, a bigger, broader re-education program, um, then we'll be able to implement this rather than saying, well, bad uh, economic practices, inequality and all this sort of stuff emerges because of very material, real-world um, uh, historical processes that are, that are almost precede the ideas that actually do precede the ideas that justify them, uh, then it's much harder to... So basically... you. In that way, you could imagine that the state is just this neutral body that's actually all kind of all powerful. And as long as you, the the people in there in the state have the right ideas, then everything good can happen. Whereas if you say, well, the state has emerged over all these processes, it has its own interests because it's tied to all these other fundamental economic interests that again precede the ideas that justify them, then it's a much, much bigger and more uh, difficult job. Mm. Um, but and it's also much more real. And I think we're back to the sovereign citizens, right? Mm. It's easier to believe that if you know the magic words, yes. you'll be free. So it's also nice to believe that if you teach the state the magic mm. words and the well-intentioned people working for the state the magic words, that will all be free. But I think that's a really good uh, way to end it. That's a really nice summation. We'll just say the say the sweet the three sweet words to the state, and um, and they will uh, deliver us um, everything that we want. But I think we, you know, did an okay job there, listeners. Thanks so much. Um, tune in next time. Alrighty, That's close those third eyes right back up, guys. Put them away. The Bye only your... third eye you should open is the third eye of historical material. Yeah, <laughs> and there will be podcasts on that coming up, no doubt. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.